The Detroit Lions are one of four National Football League teams that have never played in the Super Bowl. They have just one playoff victory since 1957, the last time they won an NFL championship. That title capped an era when the Lions were one of the league's elite teams. Richard Bach is the author of a new book, When Lions Were Kings, The Detroit Lions and the Fabulous 50s. And he says the Motor City's gridiron heroes were the NFL's big cats. They had great players like Bobby Lane and Doak Walker, Joe Schmidt, Yale, Larry, all Hall of Famers. And uh, the town itself was football crazy. It may have been the best football town in America in the 50s. Uh, the Lions set uh, record uh, season after season for, uh, uh, for season ticket sales. Uh, which you know is amazing when you think that you could sell 38, 39,000 season tickets for a stadium that only held 52 or 53,000. The Lions weren't just popular here in Detroit; they seemed to have a national following. Oh yeah, yeah, and I and I go into that in some some detail. You know, television had everything to do with that. Um, you know, it's one thing to be a a local favorite, but because of television, which was just brand new, it was kind of like what the internet was in the uh, 80s and 90s. It was a brand new. Um, and people all around the country in Miami and, and uh, Dallas and, you know, Los Angeles uh, now could tune into a game of the week and see the Lions, uh, you know, in, in the comfort of their living room. Yeah, they were. I, in fact, uh, the Lions and the Rams uh, set an NFL record for the largest crowd. They played uh, before like 93 or 94,000 in a game in 1954, which was, you know, was an amazing crowd. Older Lions fans, as you mentioned, have heard of Bobby Lane, the quarterback from Texas who led the team to back-to-back titles in 52 and 53. Though many of us had not been born yet, our parents would tell us about his exploits on and off the field, his reputation of partying as hard as he played. How much of his legend is true? Well, that was, you know, that was one of the things I went into, one of the reasons I went into doing this book is, you know, you always hear this story, ah, oh, well, you know, Bobby Lane, you know, he'd show up drunk and, you know, and then he'd sober up at halftime and then lead the Lions to victory in the second half. Well, you know, that's, you know, a bunch of <laughs> malarkey, as uh, Joe Biden might say. Uh, you know, it, it, it wasn't true. I mean, yeah, he liked to drink, he had his good times, and so did a lot of the other Lions on that team. There were a lot of there were a lot of party goers on that team, and uh, they had great camaraderie, but they weren't out there playing half drunk on Sunday afternoon. Uh, so, uh, he, you know, he lived life to the fullest. you got to say that about Lane. Uh, but, you know, a lot of those vices caught up with him. He died young. I mean, he was only 59 when he died of cancer, and he had a three-pack-a-day cigarette habit, and he... He drank like a fish uh, off the field, and, you know, all that caught up with him. But, you know, on the field, no, he was sober. <laughs> Today's NFL is so much different than it was in a lot of ways, and that becomes apparent uh, when you read the book. Readers might be surprised, just as I was, to learn that when the season was over, when these guys weren't playing football, many players had other jobs. Some even worked in Detroit's factories. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, Joe Schmidt was a school teacher in, in the off season, and, you know, Charlie Ani was selling sporting goods downtown. Um, you know, other guys were working on uh, asphalt paving crews and so forth. So, you know, the uh, the highest paid uh, players on the on the team were only making uh, you know fifteen to twenty thousand dollars a year. In today's dollars, that's only it, it was a good amount for back then. But in today's dollars, you're talking probably the equivalent of two hundred thousand dollars a year. Well, that's still a good chunk of change, but. You know, most careers back then, as now, only lasted three or four or five years, and that was it. Uh, the average ball player in the NFL uh, in the mid-50s was probably making about 75. 
hundred eight thousand dollars on an average so not a lot of money so they had to do something in the off season they were working class heroes these are the kind of guys that lived in the neighborhood you know they work <laughs> you'd see them at the bowling alley or the local bar or things like that they weren't living in some palatial uh um you know gated community somewhere i mean they were living right here in the city and and you'd see them out and about town Another fact that stuck out was that the Lions were the last NFL team to win a championship with an all-white roster. Very few black players got the opportunity to play in the league. Those that did faced racism and discrimination, even among their teammates and coaches, and that included the Lions. Yeah, how how yeah, hard I, was it for black well, players to, play, to break through? The Lions are interesting. I spent an entire chapter uh, discussing uh, the racial issues in Detroit and in the NFL. The Lions were interesting. In 1949, there were only seven blacks in the entire NFL, and three of them played in Detroit. Um, so they had almost half of the black players. But within a couple years, the team was lily white and basically would, would remain lily white um, throughout most of the 50s. Between 51 and 56, a total of six seasons, there were only two black players on the team, and between them they played a total of five games. So... You know, I stopped short of calling it a racist uh, organization because I'm, you know, I'm not sure they were. There are some players I interviewed who insisted, no, they weren't. And frankly, Buddy Parker did draft black players. But the upshot is, is that the Lions are the last team to win a, a championship in 52 and 53 with an all-white roster. The Lions' reign ended with the 1957 championship. They had uh, two losing seasons after that. How did it come to such a disappointing end? Uh, well, you know, there, you know, Lane was traded in 58. I think the writing was on the wall um, when he got injured near the end of the 57 season, and Tobin wrote, who had been traded for specifically to be a backup quarterback for Lane, who was, who was uh, likely to be injured um, uh, on a fairly regular basis. Rote came in and, um, you know, did the job. He, he wound up leading the Lions to a couple of postseason victories in 57, and he was younger than Lane, and um, he was more mobile. He threw a better pass. He was respected in the locker room. And so uh, George Wilson, who took over for Buddy Parker as, as head coach, uh, decided to trade Lane to Pittsburgh early in the 58 season. And Rote never really, um, you know, uh, he never was able to come anywhere close to replicating what he did in 57, and eventually uh, he left the team after the 59 season. I think after Lane left, uh, there was a lot of, um, you know, the camaraderie that had been there for many years kind of dissipated with, with his trade. And it took a while for the Lions to right themselves. They, it Basically, the squad that that performed so well in the 50s. The core of that group was still around in the early 60s, and the Lions actually were a, a, a second-place team behind the Packers for three straight seasons in the early 60s.